Welcome to Lynn Cullen Live, talk radio without the static. Email your questions and comments to lynn at pghcitypaper.com. And now your host, Lynn Cullen. Hello there. Welcome to the program. It's the 16th of October, 2018. And, uh, whoo, there's a bit of a chill in the air, which I frankly love. My sister Susan's in Green Bay, Wisconsin, where there's more of a chill in the air. There certainly is more of a chill in the air. I mean, I've got a wool hat, wool socks, you know, wool lined shoes, gloves. Do you have snow there? (laughs) No snow. No snow. But it's just cold. I mean, you know, it's it's in the 20s in the morning when I'm walking the dog. Yeah. Well, I'm only in the, it was 35 when I walked the dog today. But it's weird. In the morning uh, when I go outside, cold doesn't bother me. In the after- no, it feels wonderful. I know. In the afternoon, the cold bothers me. At night, the cold does not bother. I don't know what it is that my body temperature seems to like go down in the middle of the day or something, and I find what was perfectly enjoyable in the morning. I, I don't know. I don't know what it is. But I, um, uh, Blue and I were watching the garbage guys today. Man, do they have it down to a science. It's impressive watching them go. <laughs> I even said to one of them, I said, wow, way to go. You guys are amazing. Uh, so, just saying. Um, here's did, some they enjoy, did they enjoy the, uh, compliment? the compliment or did they think that they were being, uh, oh, you no. know? Oh, no. I th- it was just one, <laughs> one guy that I said it to and uh, he smiled. I don't know. He might have thought I was insane, um, but he seemed to take it as a compliment. I meant it as a compliment. Um, I mean, they really work it. I, I mean, they really were moving fast. They had a system. And uh, I was just impressed by how hard they were working. Wow. That's a tough job. Anyway, here's something else I saw, Susan, the other day. I was driving in my car, and I was on a residential street, and a woman on a bike barrels uh, out of a side street into it, practically right into my car. And Uh she was wearing a helmet, wearing a skirt, and wearing what had to be five-inch heels. Idiot. Well, I'm looking at her and thinking, uh, good for you for the helmet. But I don't think five-inch heels on a bike is, is a smart thing, is it? Well, she's going to ruin the shoes. Oh. Well, I'm not thinking about I, the shoes. Why is she going to well, ruin them? Well, I'm just them? saying I don't see how that works without you ruining the shoes. Well, the shoes. First I, of all. But second of all, no, that's just ridiculous. Well, the heel is not on the pedal. The heel, you know, her, the, the toe part is on the, the, the heel is hanging off. Right. And if you've got a five-inch heel hanging off below. Yeah. Under the pedal, you don't think that that's going to be hitting stuff and stuff? Maybe, maybe stuff and stuff. I don't know. But I, I'm thinking, wait a minute. That just seems, something doesn't seem right here. And she looked a little wobbly to me in general, the way she careened into the, you know. But five okay, inches. Can I just say that suddenly yeah. you dropped down into a can of uh, weirdness? Am I still in a can of weirdness? No. Good. <laughs> okay, I just had to report the five-inch heels. By the way, they were not stiletto. They were like these big wooden block kind of things. You know what oh, I mean? they were more fashionable. They, they were the new block heel. Is that what that is? It's a big friggin' yeah. looks like a tree trunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Th- that's the yeah. new style? Five-inch yeah, tree yeah. trunks? Back to the 70s. You betcha. Oh. Okay, here's something else I saw that I have to share and I didn't before. Wait a minute. So was she upset that she almost no, she got looked, into your car? She wasn't mad at you? You well, weren't upset with her no, in any way? No, no. I mean, she, she startled me. 
And she sort of looked at, yeah, I, I don't think she gave me a nice look. It was like she was annoyed that I was on the road and she had almost, she almost hit me. I didn't hit her. Right, and, right, right. This is, you, 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 I thought the story was going to be a, about one of my pet peeves, the way uh, bicyclists seem to think that even though they're sharing the road with a car that can kill them. Right. They don't need to follow the rules of the road. Well, that's right. I mean, a lot of them don't. I'm always so impressed when I see a a, a bicyclist at a um, at a light, you know, that's red, sitting there, stopped. sitting there, stopped like all the rest of the cars, and it might be cold or it might be raining, and they could just keep moving like most of them do, and they sit there and follow the rules, and I just think that is so amazing when they do that. But well, I, I do don't too, expect I don't want to kill someone. Yeah, I don't either. I'm, no, not today. <laughs> not yet. You know, uh, and especially in an urban environment, if you are driving in an urban environment, as you are in Pittsburgh and I am in Chicago, there's an awful lot to be aware of besides bicycle that c- appears out of nowhere and right. doesn't care whether they're at a four-way stop or a three-way stop or right. a light. Right. It's just... I know. They make uh, very nervous. And and right, I'm sure if you're on a bicycle, we make them very nervous, and I, uh, that I completely... Well, now, Chicago that. passed a law that I find so confusing because they did not say that they don't have to follow the rules of the road, but they then gave them carte blanche to always have the right-of-way. A bicycle always has the right-of-way over a car, just like a pedestrian does, or does a pedestrian? I, I think so. Not I if they're jaywalking. So. so now they're never stopping. Well, guess you better get so on I a bike. I don't know how those I, two rules can coexist, but anyway. I don't either. So I have something that I saw, and I, have, I forgot to share it with the audience, so I'm sharing it now. It was the most mind-boggling caption on a picture. Um... And it was uh, like a day or two after um, Hurricane Michael hit. And it was a picture of a totally destroyed store. Well, you know, the front was off and there were, you could see whatever food or clothes or whatever was in the store scattered all over the place. And there are people in there. And here was the caption. People salvage supplies from a destroyed business the day after Hurricane Michael. Oh, they aren't looting? No. Because they're white. Th- you got it, Suze. They were... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why I'm laughing. Why? Oh, I, I know. There's absolutely nothing funny no, about that. No, there's nothing funny about it. Uh, uh, People salvage supplies from a destroyed business, which is the correct caption. It's also the correct caption if black people are doing it. Isn't that amazing? Yeah, really amazing. Stark. (laughs) There it is. And um, did you see the latest, uh, you know, Black person, um, at least that it went. Oh yeah, from my from my uh, erstwhile hometown of St. Louis. Yeah, for people who well, don't. I, yeah, well, I I, I just want you to know. Yeah, this happens. Oh, this must happen. What, this must happen all the time. This must happen. Constantly. Well, it must happen all the time. But this guy at least had the presence of mind to be recording, and still. This is a guy for people who don't know. Let's tell him. Twenty-four-year-old okay. black man goes home. He lives in a a condominium complex. He In uh, the city of St. Louis. In, the in, city, in downtown St. Louis. In the city of St. Louis. And he is blocked from entering the the entrance uh by a woman, white. And he says, please move ma'am. He calls her ma'am the entire time. And uh, she says, I can, but do you live here? And (laughs) he said, "Uh, yes, I live here. 
And believe it or not, this goes on. She follows him. He gets by her. She follows him in the elevator. She follows him down the hallway. Elevator elevator with with him. You explain this to me. Then about 30 minutes after the poor guy gets into his into his own condo and shuts the door, the police arrive. So she has called the cops, and the cops... And lied to them, by the way. Right. Lied to them, told told them that that he choked her and threatened her. Oh, really? And, of course, he, he's filmed the whole thing, so all he does is show this to the cops, but they came to arrest him. And he's just lucky that they he, he taped it, and he's just lucky that they watched it. And did you, at the end, when he finally is about to go into his apartment, she he turns to her and, um, oh, this is right before, he says, so now you're following me. And she said, yes, I am. And um, he says, I don't want to speak with you. Please stop following me. I'm going to call the cops. That's my next step. And, and you know, it keeps going. This goes on apparently forever. And he says, you just followed me all the way to my door. You see my keys? My keys in the door? And, and she says this. I just want to say, hi, what's your name? And he says, ma'am, you just know, have a good night, ma'am. And he goes into his apartment and closes the door. And then the cops arrive okay. a half hour later. Do you Now, I just, this? before, that's what happens. So I just want you to read, this is that, it is reported thusly in the St. Louis Post-Dispatch this morning. I want you to read a comment to, I want to read you a comment oh, no, to that article. Oh, no, no, don't. Okay, go. Okay. The first line is, in spite of the clickbait headline, this is not a racial issue. <laughs> oh, dear. I mean, I do not believe there was any racial element to this in spite of some people's attempt to make it so you know, and, and he says, this is security, and you do not, you know, he, if he forgot his fob. But he didn't forget his fob. He showed her his fob. You mean if a 24-year-old white guy was uh, coming in, she would have uh, barred the entry? Yeah, right. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. This is how yeah. b- black this is what happens to black people living their lives in every situation, going into a store, going into their own home, or as we know, they can be sitting in their own home and <laughs> uh, someone can burst through the door and kill them because they think it's their apartment. Yeah, right. That right. kind of thing. I mean, and then, and then find marijuana in the apartment and try and blame the victim because he must have smoked marijuana, which, by the way, is legal in half the country and all of Canada. Unbelievable. Well, okay. So I just I just wanted to sh- tell you that I just wanted to prove to you that when something that is so blatantly racist is is filmed and shown, and one party, the black person, shown to be polite and in every way trying to avoid what's happening, and the white person being belligerent, lying, and inappropriate, and that the the, the comments of the white people in the city of St. Louis is this is not a racial issue. Hey, 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 you hey, could hey. not make it up. Yeah. You could. And it's, I mean, that, that guy isn't the only one, I just want to say. I oh, mean, you know, my, I mean, oh, no, I mean, obviously. You mean the commenter. No, no, of course not. They think it's a matter of building security. <laughs> Sure. Okay. Tell yourself whatever you need to tell yourself. Uh, well, sure, it's a matter of building security. It's also a matter of the perception of white folks who, when they see black people in a blown-out building rescuing, liberating supplies, they're shot for looting. And when you see white people doing it, they are doing the right thing in an emergency situation. They are salvaging supplies from a destroyed business.
salvage. I mean, you can't you can't convince me that if this woman had seen a white guy trying to get into the building right behind her, she right. would have been in any way alarmed. Right. Exactly. Right. Of course. Unbelievable. And uh, by the way, the 24-year-old black guy runs a marketing consulting company, which is pretty goddamn impressive. Oh. So on the other side of that story in my paper today. Oh, wait, oh, wait a minute. I want to say one other thing because it made me want to cry. The guy in the article, the 24-year-old, says, look, part of it might have been my fault. I was wearing a hoodie. Oh! Wow. Made me want to cry. Yeah. Wow. Anyway. Okay. All right. <laughs> Jesus. I just want to say, okay, on the other side of that story in my paper was another story, <laughs> which, which gave me hope that there might be a way <clears throat> to get a lot of the climate deniers um, on board. And this is a study which has shown that the impact on crops, and particularly in this case barley, <coughs> of droughts from global warming is uh, likely to Make the price. Make a bottle of beer cost the same as a fine bottle of wine. Exactly. <laughs> they have figured. Researchers say, yeah, that uh, we could see this. I mean, it'll take, you know, a few decades. Definitely too late. But um, could double the price of a beer in Ireland. Could make it in the Czech Republic six times more expensive. And the United States could lose up to 20% of its supply of beer, the U.S. and China being drinking the most beer in the world. Um, so just want to say, uh, maybe that'll get them. What do you mean? My beer's going to cost more? You mean? No, I'm the, the, the orange person in, in, in rain at that point will subsidize beer and take it out of the paychecks of the very same poor people. <laughs> oh God, dear Lord. Okay, I have something interesting about Sears. I always liked Sears. You could get anything there. I liked Sears too. It was my go-to place for a lot of my early years for just about everything. Well, yeah, I got appli on my appliances there. Appli I got their appliances were wonderful. were high-class appliances. Well, yeah, and I got my car fixed there, and I got uh, all my gardening stuff. Yard, you know, I I bought uh, mattresses kids clothes, there, kids' for. clothes. I got, um, yeah, housewares. I mean, I yeah. I loved it. It was a one-stop shop. So I just want to say, um, also, it has um, a fascinating uh, piece that actually I read two, two doing the same thing about how Sears and its catalog in the 19th century, so in the late 1800s, actually helped black people um, because through the catalog they could buy things that if they went into a shop or a store, a general store in the South, they were not allowed to buy or they could only buy like the, the worst stuff, the worst food stuffs. The, they were not given the right to buy. You could buy a prefab house. You could buy all of this stuff by yourself and, and, and with avoiding the white sons of bitches who owned um, the stores. Um, historians um, say that purchasing 
everyday goods was uh, an exercise in humiliation for African Americans in the South. And because of, and, uh, and often the owner of the only store was also the guy whose farm they worked on as sharecroppers. Um, and it, they determined what th you could buy or couldn't buy, and you could only be waited on after every single white person was waited on. Uh, so in 1894, when Sears began sending out its illustrated catalogs, uh, th they went out of their way so that uh, they did all kinds of things where even if a, if a black person couldn't buy a stamp because you had to get the stamp at the country store too, and uh, they were told they could give the money. Sears made all these efforts to help them get around. The Jim Crow folks were so freaked out knowing that black people were using the Sears catalog to get uppity, I guess, um, started spreading a rumor that the owners of Sears Roebuck, Roebuck were blacks. And that's why they couldn't show their faces and have a real store. That's why they sent out the catalog. So that the own Sears, Mr. Sears, had to actually publish show photos <laughs> that he, he was white. And uh, Mr. Ward, who also was one of the owners, uh, offered a reward in exchange for the name of the person who had started the rumor anyway. And here's another wonderful thing about Sears and uh, African Americans. Um, a guy named Julius Rosenwald bought up Roebuck's share in 1895. So he was he was the uh, major one of the major owners, Julius Rosenwald, and he became. And I remember doing this, tell, finding this out years ago, and doing a story on it. He put up, built, nearly 5,000 schools in the rural South between 1912 and 1932 to serve black people. Well, you is know, that when you become amazing? aware of a market, and when that market is good to you and you're good to them, you... And by the way, in terms of Jewish philanthropy, that is not unusual. I have to say, um, if you go back historically to Jews in the uh, in in the 19th century, say out in the West, Jewish merchants who were out there were also building the Catholic churches. They're both and and, and it's, I mean, it's really interesting when you go into these when you go in. If you the the, the cathedral in downtown Santa Fe was built by a Jewish man was friends with the, the townspeople, oh, okay. and, and it was his gift. He built them a church. Yeah. Well, I think that's a smart way to get along when, as a Jew, you know that you aren't yeah, always that's, accepted. But that's what I'm saying. That's okay. what I'm saying. There's a... So there's a, a history of the, the Rosen, uh, Rosenwald schools say that these schools were new and modern with big, tall windows, lots of light, they felt special. Um, after uh, Brown v. B Board of Education, uh, uh, most of these schools shut down. But during the 1930s, one out of every three black chil ch children in the South attended a Rosenwald school. Um, Maya, wow. Ange Maya Angelou. Uh, Representative John Lewis uh, went. Rosenwald was um, the, the son of... Well, if Maya Angelou did, then that means that uh, they're calling St. Louis part of the American South, and he built a school in St. Louis. I don't know anything about that. Well, you're su yeah, I think we know St. Louis is in the South. The first... Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's South. Even if 
even if they call themselves the gateway to the west no they're in the <laughs> south they're so southern it's so southern there it's ridiculous um, anyway, Rosenwald also was a good friend of Booker T. Washington, served on the board of the Tuskegee Institute. He helped mm-hmm. fund most of the black YMCAs and YWCAs, provided support to black artists and writers, including Marian Anderson, Langston Hughes, Gordon Parks, James Baldwin. So that's an interesting thing about Sears. <laughs> The the um, and the Sears catalog. This is the last line in this piece. Offered black shoppers something they couldn't find anywhere else: dignity. So they'll be missed. Well, that's a just that's just a wonderful story because you know he looked around in in <clears throat> and wanted to finish the job. Yeah, this is in the Washington Post today. Um, the headline, Sears Radical Past, How Mail Order Catalog Subverted the Racial Hierarchy of Jim Crow. So that's, uh, that's something nice to know. Um, little Tony says, Lynn, I heard the woman in the St. Louis story was fired from her job. Yes, she was. Her, um, she worked for a real estate company. And um, they they saw the video and they said this has not she is not welcome back here. That's not the face of our employees. But right. also in that comment thread are people saying that she hopes that she sues. So I, I in that regard I'd like to say that Missouri is uh, one of those states where workers have absolutely no rights whatsoever. No protection at all. And they can fire her for whatever right. damn reason they well, please. Well, generally and that's she true. Has no recourse. Right, but that's called an at will at will employee and I think most of us yeah, are. Well, that's what Unless she you needs. belong to a union, which hardly no worker does anymore. Uh, you're an at-will employee. I I always was an at-will employee. I might have had a contract, but there was always a clause in my contract that said if I in any way held the company up to you know in a embarrass them, um, they could get rid of me. So I mean, if I ever got caught with pot, I thought well they could fire me for sure. Boy, you were lucky. <laughs> it never, I don't know. I, I always have, you know. <clears throat> I'm like a kid in we, that I think nothing, we, nothing bad will happen. You know what? Happen. We were just raised, me, and someone said it to me at the dinner at a dinner party on Saturday night, you know, just said how mighty white of you. You know, we, we are totally unconscious of our entitlement. Sure, we could do whatever we wanted because no one was looking at us. That's right. That's right. How many black, how many black people were are still doing time for what I did, and continue to do all the time, all the time. Right. It's disgusting. Anyway, listen to this. We seem to be on a certain theme here. Headline: Wall Street Journal, Colorado weighs abolition of slavery. Believe it or not, Susan. Well, they're on cowboy time, you know. <laughs> no. Well, Colorado voters in their in November 6th election are going to be able to vote on whether, um, well, I guess it says specifically whether to change the state constitution to read, quote, there shall never be in this state either slavery or involuntary servitude. It turns out, Susan, that the 13th Amendment, which supposedly abolished slavery in 1865, also says this. It did allow for slavery or involuntary servitude as, quote, punishment for crime, whereof the party shall have been duly convicted. Right. In other words, pris- prisons could could make their prisoners work for nothing. Right. And so... You abolish slavery, but then you just arrest. You imprison the same population. Right. Absolutely. And it turns out 
that a lot of states still do not have, you know, Colorado's doing something um, that other states need to do as well because their constitutions do allow, as the 13th Amendment did, uh, involuntary servitude. 22 other states have similar provisions in their constitutions allowing slavery. <laughs> 22 other states. I don't know if Pennsylvania does or not. Uh, Rhode Island, in fact, is the only state that prohibits slavery in all instances in its constitution. Is that not amazing? Who knew? Yeah, it's pretty amazing. But if you think about it, that, of course that's what it's about. And I mean, and that's where our license plates come from, sort of, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I mean, I'm sure it's done as a way to fund the prison system, or was before we sold that, and then it just became a, you know, a profit-making thing. I, you know, so they've got to have a way to make money, and of course, that's slavery. For decades, otherwise, why do you want to do it? Right. For decades after the Civil War, it says some states use prisoners to work for private companies without pay to work for private. So they'd they'd contract prisoners out and make money off them. Um, and it was just a continuation of slavery. And states liked the loophole, so that's why they've kept it um, in their constitution. Wow. Okay, can you handle any more facts? They have some more. This is so shocking. The number of homeless children in New York City public schools. Are you ready? Yeah. You're not going to believe it. 114,659. That they know of. Well, they, yeah. Well, that sounds like they know. 114,659, which is bigger than the uh, population of uh, the state capital of Albany. 114,659 children go to school from homeless shelters, from other, you know, living in friends' basements, what, whatever. They don't, do not have homes. And this is a record, I should hope, for the city of New York. But this is, it's... it's but, you know, it's, think it's, about it. What is the average rent in the city of well, New right. York? Well, right. I know. How can people live there? <clears throat> I, it's just... A studio, a studio in, the, in the Isle of Manhattan will sell for a million dollars. Yeah. So a get studio. This. It's one room. At, there's 144 public schools in New York City in which one-third of the students are homeless. There's 144 schools where one-third of the student population is homeless. <coughs> and here's one more fact that just is it's mind-boggling. Well, no, you so think, you know, so, I mean, just, you know, extrapolate a bit and, and, and think <coughs> what you're asking those schools to deal with and, and the problems that those kids come with and how the hell they're supposed to have room in their poor little stressed out brains to learn. And that brings us to the next fact. For every... How many social workers do the schools have that deal with these kids and their needs, psychological and, and, and practical? Probably one for every 350. Well, Suze, you're usually better at guessing. No, one for every 1,050? One social worker for every 1,660. Okay, yeah. Yeah, I should have known better. Yeah, I mean, I could have known by there's one per building at the most, maybe one per every two buildings. Beyond belief. 
The amount set aside for social services pays for about 70 social workers, or roughly one for every 1,600 uh, homeless students. The funding also, though, pays for more after-school programs and additional staff. Uh, God, I mean. No, but you know, this is this is the one time I found myself in absolute full agreement with Arnie Duncan because I think he's got a lot of ideas about education. This is Obama's for, Obama's former uh, education right. Secretary. But what Arnie Duncan was heard to uh, say in, in the last couple of weeks was that. He has always been amazed, and and I am adding parenthetically, as have I, that this country that decides that we are the most child-centric, that there is nothing more important than our children, refuse to spend any money on the education of our children you know, therefore, I mean, and, and, you know, from cradle to, to just just high school. I mean, no one's talking about pre-university at this point. We're just talking about being available to our kids. God. You know, I it's and, and I mean, really, and 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 we've got these these parents who are screaming that they demand this, 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 and this, but I haven't helped that you should pay for it. Um, and here's another thing that drives me insane. Uh, the city has not been able to get much help from local philanthropies, philanthropists, about this issue. They're too busy, like, giving more money to Harvard or Yale or to an arts, uh, you know, an already wealthy arts organization. It yeah, dri- it let drives me contribute me to the billion-dollar endowment yeah. of Washington University. I know, it just, That'll do good. Oh, it just makes me crazy. And so it's actually an argument that I had with Washington University when they came asking for money. No, I, I will said, never give. Why? Money. Yeah, when, when all you'll do with it is to go out and buy yet another apartment building in neighboring University City, thereby taking it off of the rolls for the public schools and further hampering that challenged population. No, sir. sir yeah, I would. I wouldn't help you do that. No. No. The other thing they'll do, The other thing they'll do with it is. Is up the assistant football coaches. I just you see, there's an assistant football well, coach. Well, not at Washington U. They no, wait, there's an assistant <laughs> football coach, Susan. I forget for what, some Southern University. The assistant makes two and a half million a year. Um, yeah, well, okay. Well, that I mean, that's just disgusting. And ask how you know. Ask what the uh, English professor makes. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, New York City. Um, is it says here is arguably the f- philanthropic center of the world, but the only organization that has given any sizable amount of money specifically to support homeless students in New York is Deutsche Bank, which is of course from Germany. Right. They gave and a million. In bed with the Trumps. Right. They gave a million dollars at least. No American charity. I, I, I'm sorry. We are we are a despicable. Yeah, we are just at those. We're I mean, disgusting. those aren't our children, Lynn. Those aren't our children. We are what the we nastiest, meanest, cruelest, immoralist, despicable. Yeah. People. We're going to insist that you be born, and then we're going to watch you suffer. Because that's the way we roll. Yeah. Diane sends me a quote. I don't know who, who I don't know who she's quoting, but this is the quote. The most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's imagination. Wow. The most dangerous place for black people to live is in white people's imagination. We live in an America right now where we have evolved, but we inherently believe black people are criminal. That's it. We're a just racist nation. I'm not liking us. I'm not liking us at all. Susan. 
Here's another. Here's another little factoid. Um, we had like seven thousand calls yesterday. We have no calls today. Isn't that weird? Well, we're depressing the hell out of everybody. I always depress the hell out of everybody. That's my job. This is a fact zone. This is and well, I'm maybe so- if I'm maybe if I'm here, they don't feel sorry for you and they don't call. <laughs> well, I don't think it's a matter of them feeling sorry for me. I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, listen to this. Remember, uh, we'll soon forget her name, but Christine Blasey Ford. Uh, ring a bell? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, she's she's the uh, erstwhile victim, now now lying, you know, piece of crap. That's right. And it doesn't matter. Trump said the other day what he mocked, that he mocked her because, as he told Leslie Stahl, doesn't matter. We won. Right. And he's the president, and she's not. Oh, my God. Oh, there's another quote from him that is beyond belief. I'll have to find it. Um, it's about it's about the Saudis. Here it is. This was a quote, and I actually saw him say it. Oh, I read the one from the Washington Post. I read it to Well, I don't, I don't know. I don't know if one. it's the same one. Here's the one. They buy apartments from me. They spend $40 million, $50 million. Am I supposed to dislike them? That's the president. Oh, God. That's the fucking president. Okay, that wasn't the one you had in mind. No, 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 no. So many That one was fairly breathtaking. Mine was actually sort of almost more presidential. Oh, Um, (laughs) Oh, dear God. I can't quite remember what it was. (laughs) Okay. So uh, back to Christine Blasey Ford. She... um, according to Business Insider, is still receiving unending death threats, and her family are not able to return to their home. They don't have any idea when they'll be able to go home, if ever. Isn't that wonderful? And Brett Kavanaugh is having a good time. At the Supreme Court. Yeah, it's poor, but poor, poor him and his family. Oh, yeah. And I'm so tired of hearing about due process and innocent and proven guilty and all this stuff, as if he were, you know. I well, we don't have to go back there. I we knew all along he was going to win, and he won. You know. I remember at the very beginning of that process, I mean, it was even before the any hearing, um, uh, somebody said, and they, they were met with startled, uh, you know, s- people were startled that they said it. Some guy just matter-of-factly said, she's going to lose. These women are going to lose. They always lose. In Washington. Yeah. And I remember I was startled, too. I thought, well, yeah, that was then, but this is now. The times, they are a-changing. <laughs> no, I didn't. I never thought that for a second. Oh, God, I just kept... That's what made this so heartbreaking. That And, and if women can't hold... If women can't react appropriately to this, where they have... Where, where that group of white <clears throat> men have just said yet again we can do whatever we want from the time that we reach puberty on and if we want that to be disregarded it will no one will believe you no one really gives a fuck go go away yeah if that's the way you want to live your life <coughs> don't vote yeah incredible yeah. and 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 meanwhile now we're a mob <coughs> that's my that's my favorite thing because really they are terrified of women yeah, um, yeah. Women protesting are a mob. And did you see the White House? By the way, I think is about to change the rules for um, this. Will the ACLU will go after them in in a heartbeat? But um, they're changing the rules of how you can protest in Washington, where you can protest. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. That's what they're they're promulgating new rules. New rules. Yeah. New rules. Yeah. Okay, what's the new rule for how you can protest? You can't? Pretty much. Pretty much. They're going to make it expensive. There'll have to be permits. They're going to take a bunch of real estate away. 
Uh, so you can't be anywhere well, I, near. I, okay, I mean, but that's just ridiculous. The ACA, you don't need the ACLU. Any well, old do. fool can tell you you can't do that. Well, we'll see. You this can't is, charge a fee that is designed to silence this free is, speech. This is, this is a new autocratic America. We do have a caller, so let's go to the phones. Hello, caller. Hey, Lynn. Yeah, I'm afraid I won't be any cheerier than you. I haven't uh, read or heard reports of that uh, particular attempted extra constitutional stunt but no it's got no it's uh, coming up the aclu the aclu sent out an alert uh about it it's the public comment closed down yesterday on it it's going to happen now that the uh you know they they hijacked the merrick garland seat and they have the you know incredibly accused uh um you know sexual assaulter um you know Kavanaugh, Bart, Bardo, Bardo Kavanaugh, uh, on the Supreme Court. Who's, by the way, who's on the record as saying that, you know, a president is above the law. President can't be indicted or subpoenaed, and you know, and also that a president could pardon himself. So you know, a president is a king. He can he can do anything. He can mm-hmm. he can absolve himself of any crime, uh, according to uh, Bardo Kavanaugh. Um, <laughs> yeah. Well, what what could better encapsulate the modern day right wing than the statement, you know, we won, so it doesn't matter. Right there and, it is. You know, it doesn't I, matter. We won. Yeah. Right. Integrity doesn't. Integrity doesn't matter. Truth doesn't matter. Facts don't matter. No. Um, you know, nothing else matters. Respect for norms, traditions, institution, laws, nothing matters. Well, we know this is what they're about. about. We won. And they do. And they did. And they continue to. Because Democrats just don't have a clue. So, just want to say. Yeah, I mean, that's... Yeah, uh, there it is. You know, with, with, with a solid conservative majority... I, I don't know though. I don't know. I have a little hope for John Roberts that maybe don't just maybe don't. He 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 did in fact uphold the um, ACA. Voter. I mean, there well, were some it, marginal calls, but he he's he did any, indeed uphold the yeah. He is ACL, a rock, the Affordable Care Act. You know, but here's what happens when you move so far to the you know almost fascistic right as we're as the Republican Party yeah. is going. It, then, if you pull everything that far to the right, then you start saying, right. well, yeah, maybe correct, John correct. Roberts, who, by the way, is right wing, but now he looks what, yeah. like a moderate? That's what ends up happening. So, right, Susan Collins is now a moderate. That's bullshit. Yeah, She's she, not, she and he's not. She was never going to not vote to approve Kavanaugh. Anything Roberts might do. Uh, will be because he'll want to keep his court from looking as awful as it is. I mean, he might, in certain cases, try to, yeah, you know, ameliorate things or who knows. But that's the only way I mean, he can but, have yeah, any. That's, you know, you're, you're starting to implement bans on that. You're going to ban protest. You're going to try to effectively tamp down on protest. And then next will be free speech. Well, that is free speech. <laughs> I mean, it is. It's well, the First yeah. Amendment. Well, they're going mean, to they're going to eviscerate yeah. it. They're going to, and and I'm not sure. So who is doing that? Is that the park police? Who, whatever. There's rules being promulgated, and um, but, but this, it but will remember, happen. Remember, remember this. This isn't entirely new. Remember the free speech zones of the Bush administration. Right, right, right. Yes, you can protest if you get into this cage. Uh, a million miles away yeah. from where anybody is going to see you. So those, you know, I'm I'm telling you, get ready. We are heading into uncharted waters. Hey, thank thank you. Appreciate the call. I do. Bye bye. Thank you. Um. So. Well, Susan. Yeah. How about if we cheer ourselves up with an obituary? Oh yay. I mean, really, it's always the I, it's my go-to for 
I know. Back when, you know, America yeah. was great again. Yeah. Well, this is a guy, he's a military guy. Um, I don't know that I necessarily like his politics or anything, but Major General Sidney Schotchnow. I'm not sure how to pronounce it. Um, anyway, he's dead. Uh, he was born. <laughs> he was. <laughs> <laughs> he was born in uh, Lithuania. He he died at the age of 83. He was born in Lithuania to a Jewish family. His name was Sasha Shaznowski or something. Um, it wasn't good to be a Jew in Lithuania when he was born. <laughs> So when uh, when the Nazis uh, came in, uh, his family and he was six years old at the time. He was uh, hurt. They were herded into uh, a ghetto, and they were made to do forced labor. Um, and he always said, look, this ghetto was actually a de facto concentration camp. Um, he said uh, w it didn't have any gas chambers or crematorium, but he said nearly everyone in there died. Um, he said, and the way I remember, this is a, he was a kid. He said, our camp did things the old-fashioned way. Several bulldozers would dig a ditch. People would be asked to move to the edge of the ditch. In most cases, they were naked. Automatic weapons would kill them. They would fall into the ditch, some wounded, some not dead. And if you were lying on the ledge, somebody would kick you into it. Um, his family survived in that ghetto for three years. Um, and I don't know how the hell his parents could have pulled this off. They found a way to get him out. He was nine years old. Some of the forced laborers left the ghetto every day uh, to do their work. And one of his uncles... Uh, had a very long coat that he wore, and this nine-year-old boy was put under the coat, and he walked with his uncle through the gates, passing guards, passing a work detail. Um, can you imagine moving in exactly the same way and at a prearranged signal by his uncle, was probably jabbing him in the, you know, in the side, he got out from under the coat and kept walking in the other direction. Somehow, he was to meet up with a woman wearing a red kerchief. This is a nine-year-old boy. God, and how do they know there's only to be one woman wearing a red kerchief? I don't know. But you know what I was thinking today when I was walking the dog? I'm watching parents walking their kids to the bus stop, which is two blocks from their home. And these kids are seven, eight, nine years old. And we think they can't walk to a friggin' bus stop. Yeah, your neighbor will call the cops on you if you try it. Yeah. Well, here's what nine-year-olds can do. Okay? Um, anyway, he, he made it to the, the woman in the kerchief. A Catholic family took him in. Uh, amazingly, his mother and his younger brother managed to escape as well, and they were reunited. His father escapes, joins the partisans living in the uh, Lithuanian forests, 
and um, they end up surviving the war and then on foot, train any way they could, they make a 2,000 mile trek through Poland, Czechoslovakia, and Hungary before getting to Germany in the fall of 1945. Why the hell they would go there? But in 1950, they got to the United States. And Sasha became Sydney. And he spoke no English, but um, he joined the Army. Started as an infantry private, rose to captain of the Special Forces, or Green Berets. He fought in Vietnam. He transferred to West Berlin in 1970. He was given command of an elite special forces unit that conducted clandestine intelligence missions in Eastern Europe. He did that for four years. He was the director of the U.S. Special Operations Command in Washington and then was sent back to Berlin as the Army's commanding officer in 1989. His headquarters were the same headquarters that Hermann Goering had. And his residence had once belonged to the Nazi finance minister, Fritz Reinhardt. So this little kid who was terrorized and luckily survived ends up with his office in Hermann Goering's office. He was appointed commander of the special forces and commanding general of the John F. Kennedy Special Warfare Center. Uh, and listen to this. He had never, he had dropped out of high school to join. And while in the service, he got his GAD, then he got a bachelor's degree from the University of Nebraska, and a master's degree in public administration from Shippensburg State College, now Shippensburg University right here in Pennsylvania. Pretty amazing story, huh? What a life. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and, and we complain because we have to go grocery shopping today. Yeah. I, I mean, that's why I say it. I don't I don't really like us very much. No. And Bob wants to know, did uh, I mention Microsoft's Paul Allen? Um, yeah, Paul Allen, well, he another millionaire. Yeah, he doesn't need me. Billionaire, um, excuse me. I No, I like to do obituaries I. of you know, forgotten people or people you don't know. So, Paul Allen, he's dead too. Yeah. So. He was, he was, as far as I'm concerned, because one shouldn't speak ill of the dead, but he was one of the least impressive of the new moguls. Um, why is that? Well, I just, you know, everybody else was, was loudly focused once they made their gazillions on no. trying to do something good. I think he... And he was... No? Well, he, he did a little, but mostly he bought sports teams. Yeah, but I think he could afford sports teams, and he... I saw... I didn't read the whole obit, but he, he did some, yeah, philanthropy. <laughs> well, I'm sure he did some. A lot. No, but I think he did more yeah. than you, you, you think. Um, yeah. I'm not sure. Whatever. What can you do with all that damn money? I don't know. Yeah. I, you know, be envied mostly. Well, I think that's something <laughs> that people do like, right? Well, I think, yeah. uh, um, Suze, are you are, so are yeah. you heading d back to Chicago tomorrow or uh, tomorrow Thursday? I have a meeting in the morning tomorrow, and then, yeah, I'm just going to hope it ends in, in a timely fashion, fashion so I can beat the rush hour traffic. Yeah, yeah. Okay. But yeah. Okay. Well, yeah, and then I'm going to don my battle armor and go to that southern city, which the longer I'm away from, the the more I detest because I can see it so much more clearly. St. Louis. <laughs> yeah. It's got a pretty awful history. And it's you can terrible. see it's still it's still there and infects the city. It's a real racist town. Real racist town. Yeah. Well, I think this one is, too. America's racist. That's all there is to it. And if you don't see that now, then you're 
willfully blind. Okay, that is okay. our uplifting show of the day. Okay? <laughs> Now go and out there. Always happy obituary. Right. Hey Susan, I I understand the Packers won. Um, at the, they did. Did Mom stay up all that? All, oh, to she see said. The end? She said it wasn't even. She said it wasn't late. It was just a thriller. So she hung in there even though they were behind all that time. Well, that's good. Yeah. Oh, oh, oh and my phone's ringing. Okay. Oh, go sorry. ahead. Goodbye. Goodbye, okay, Susan. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 And um, as for you guys, sorry. I apologize for being uh, reality-based. Don't know what I can do about it. See you tomorrow. Lynn Cullen Live, Monday through Friday from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. and archived at pghcitypaper.com. The opinions expressed on Lynn Cullen Live are those of the host and do not necessarily reflect the viewpoints of Pittsburgh City Paper or its advertisers.